0: So let's see if y'all can at least do it frontwards without it on the screen. Remove it from the screen. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. go. Therefore, go and teaching them to open. Lord, should we go to 20-week series? Teaching them to do what? Okay, what I Okay, whatever. Blah blah blah. Okay. Well, we're gonna edit. Here's what we're gonna do for this CD. We're gonna put the first service in this part of the CD, and then add it to the rest of the services, y'all. Anyway. Okay. So um, before I give you the title of the sermon today, let me ask some. Has anybody in here ever gotten a letter or a package or a bill in the mail, and you were upset about it? Anybody ever got upset about something they received in the mail? When that happened, did any of you go and fuss at the mailman for bringing the letter? Anybody fuss? I can't believe you. Okay. We don't do that, right? If there's a problem with a letter, a bill, or package, you call the person that sent it to you, not the mailman. Today, I'm the mailman. I'm just going to deliver to you what God's Word says. If you don't like it, you don't got to talk to me. If it upsets you, you don't got to tell me. If you disagree with it, that's okay. You don't need to talk to me. I didn't write it. I'm just delivering it to you, okay? You go to the one who did write what it says, okay? Because we're in a series on making disciples, it's unlike any other series because this series, we're getting closer and closer and closer to what it means to be a disciple or a duplicate of Jesus Christ. And so that means there's going to be a lot of flesh things we're going to deal with. Okay, You understand what I'm saying? So we're getting really close to the end of the series. Uh, Before I show you the title, I'm going to go ahead and warn you. The title of the sermon today is going to be extremely um, unusual. It's going to be something that will probably... Leave you flabbergasted. It'll be two words that you don't hear in a lot of churches. Maybe something you've never heard unless you've been to this church. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. In fact, it's going to shock you. In fact, most likely, like the first service, when you're, when I read the title to today's message, you're going to go, oh, like that. Okay, what are you going to do? That's what you're going to do. Okay, so ready? Let's let's practice. I'll say something like, step nine is blah, 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 and you're going to go, okay, here we go, ready? It's going to be shocking. Step nine of making disciples is... Obey Jesus. Who would have thought we'd be talking about that in church? I mean, blow my mind to pieces. Do you know that so many Christians around the world in in the day and age we're living in, they always want to focus on the promises of God. Uh, They always want to talk about what God's going to do for them, what God's going to give them. And we have this very arrogant American mentality That because God loves us, we can do whatever we want to do and he'll still bless us. Um, We love to think, well, God's going to provide this, God's going to do this, God's going to give me that. But we don't like to focus the things in the Bible on what we are to do to obey the one who gives us those things. Um, Throughout our life, God's going to speak to you about different things. And it's not to hurt you or upset you or cause you pain. It's to bring miracles and blessings and prosperity into your life. Uh, How many of you in here, do you believe God has a great plan for your life? If so, say yes. Yes. If you believe that God can supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus, say yes. Yes. If you believe that God can restore the things the devil has stolen from you, say yes. Yes. If you believe that God can heal all of your emotional wounds, open up doors that no man can close, bring the right people in your life, remove the wrong ones, say yes. Yes. Then how how come all of us in this room are not experiencing all of those things? How come the believers across the world are not experiencing all the promises from God? Um, Yes, we have an enemy named Satan. Yes, there are people with we have free will and people can hurt us. But could it be? Could there be an ounce of truth in the statement that maybe, just maybe, you are not obeying God in an area of your life that is black and white and red of exactly what God's word says to do? James 1.25 says, God will bless you in everything you do if you listen and obey. This is the difference. Today we're going to see a lot of differences between Christians and disciples of Jesus. A Christian can listen. Every one of you in here a Christian. You're listening to God's Word. You will hear the voice of God. Jesus said, My sheep know my voice. We all listen. But here's what separates the men from the boys, the ladies from the girls, is we listen and obey. Now, let's assume that this is a blueprint Everybody knows what a blueprint looks like. Let's assume this is a set of plans that God Almighty handed me. He gave me these plans and he said, John Paul, does this plan look good? And I said, yes, it looks really good. He says, would you like for this mansion to be built for you? I would like for this mansion to be built for you. Do you believe that I can supply everything you need to do this? I believe, God, you can supply everything I need to do this. Okay, here's the plan. Let's get it done, and you will see this come to pass in your life. You'll see this plan come to fruition. Let me ask you a question. If I feel like doing something different from this plan, if there's something that feels good to me, that does not line up with this, and I do what this is over here, rather than this, am I going to have this plan? Yes or no? No. What if everyone in society, and all the world, and you turn on TV, and your friends, and everyone at school, and they all say, it's okay to do the opposite of this. It's okay to do this over here. Am I going to have this plan? If I hope, and I pray, and I quote this plan, and I read this plan every single day, but I stay on my butt and I don't do what this plan says to do, am I going to see this plan come to fruition? Why do we live like that as believers? Why do we think just because God loves us, we don't have to do the plan. We can do whatever we want to and He's still going to bless us. What kind of parent rewards disobedience? Not a very good one. And God is a very good Father. He's a perfect Father. How awful of a parent would we be if every time our children disobeyed, we gave them what they wanted anyway. We blessed them with what we wanted. And here's the thing about parenting. We see the big picture. We see the whole thing. When we ask our kids to do something, it's not because we don't love them. It's because we do love them. It's not because we want them to be in pain and cause them suffering. It's because we don't want them to be in pain and we don't want them to have suffering in their life. And so we tell them because we have experience and we know... And yet, we think that we can do the opposite of what God says and still see it come to pass. Psalms 145, 19. God will fulfill the desires of those who obey. If there's an area of your life in which you are not fulfilled today, could it be, and again, I know I'm going way out on a limb, could it be that you're living in disobedience? Could it be that the Holy Spirit has been pricking your heart about something day after day? week after week, month after month and you give excuse or you put it off or one day you'll do it or after my wife says it's okay or after my finances get in order or after God after God shows, after God proves to me that he'll reward me then I'll do it. After God shows me the outcome, after I understand it, then I'll do it. No, just do it. Just do it. Um imagine if I wrote one of my children a letter and it said, "Please clean your room" and there was a smiley face at the end. And I put it in their room, and then later on they come downstairs and they say, Dad, you're going to be so proud of me. I say, why? Dad, I memorized what you told me to do. Yes, I did. You did? Yes, I did. it says, please clean your room, smiley face. And And they say, in fact, we invited some friends over to the house, and we sat around a table, and we all discussed the letter that you wrote. One of my friends said they loved how you wrote the word please. Another friend said they loved how you put a smiley face. One of my friends was bold enough to bring up what it would look like if we cleaned the room. (laughs) Talked about how the clothes would be off the floor, the furniture would be in order, the bed would be made, and we sat around. In fact, at the end of it, another friend actually prayed. Over the letter that you wrote. I say, what the? I say, son, what what are you talking about? Yes, the Bible says, go and make disciples. And God says, I'm so pleased with you. Do you remember the rest of the verse? I remember that too. And baptize them. And are you going to do it? Are you going to do what I'm telling you to do? Remember the, the first miracle Jesus ever did, remember that it was recorded, was water into wine. It, for those of you that are Baptists, it was water. And the Greek word for wine there is chocolate milk. It was water into chocolate milk. For those of you that are non-denominational, it was water into Jim Beam. But anyway, so, he, so Jesus said, so in John chapter 2, Jesus' mother told the servants this. Here's what she said. Whatever he tells you, do it. Now, if you want to know the answer to a miracle, if you're taking notes, you can write the word miracle, question mark, breakthrough, question mark, you know, answer to prayer, um, reward, promise, whatever it is. Here's the answer. Whatever Jesus tells you, do it. If he's telling you to forgive somebody, forgive. If he's telling you to apologize, well, I didn't, it wasn't my fault. I don't care. If he's telling you to do it, do it. God's telling you to go pay for somebody's lunch. Ah, I can't do that. That paying for someone's lunch could save your life from a wreck down the street. That 30 seconds that you spend, that $20 could be worth your life and your family if you would just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Good intentions do not get rewarded. God's not trying to hurt us. He's trying to release miracles in our life. And just because you're going to do it one day, or you're planning on doing it one day, or after you get your finances in order, or after God brings the right person in your life, and we think, well, I want to fulfill my destiny. I want to join a Bible study. I want to tithe my income. I want to join a church. I want to get baptized. I want to serve. That's not enough. That separates the Christians from the disciples. Isaiah 119, if you're willing... Now, I wish that I could preach this. I wish that I could stand before you and say, hey, everybody, as long as you want to do what God says, the good things of the land will be yours. But the truth is, if you're willing and obedient, the good things of the land, the obedience the part we don't like. And again, there's a lot of churches all across the world that just saddens me because they're always focused on here's God's part, God's part, God's part, and they leave out our part. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, one time God was trying to Get Sodom and his, I mean, trying to get Lot and his family to get out of the city of Sodom. God was going to destroy Sodom. Y'all know the story. In it, in Genesis 19 15, it says, The angels pushed Lot, told him to get going, and urged him to hurry. But at first, Lot just stood there, dragging his feet. But the Lord wanted to save him. God, I feel like you're telling me I should stop doing drugs. I don't know about it a little bit longer. Let me just see what my friends think. Is that you? God, I feel like you're telling me I need to serve you and be a part of a church family and and honor. I don't know, God, maybe I should read the Bible a little more to figure it out if that's you or not. God, I think you're telling me that I should forgive that person that did me wrong, but it might not be you because it hurt me really bad what they did. Whoa, God's trying to save you. He's trying to bless you. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. A lot of times the way we justify disobeying God is we say, well, one day I'm going to do it. One day I'm going to forgive them when I feel like it. One day I'm going to tithe my income once I get that raise. One day I'm going to join the church after I break all these addictions off my life. Then I'm Here's what I've discovered, something that, that, that takes, I think, years of experience to discover, which is not that deep, but it takes a lot of experience. And that is this. Sometimes one day doesn't come. Sometimes one day doesn't happen. We always think tomorrow will be here. Not a single one in this room is promised. I don't care how young you are, how old you are. None of us is promised tomorrow. Hebrews 3.15 says, today, if you hear God's voice, do not turn a deaf ear. Um, I heard a fictitious story about these three demons. They were all graduating from demon training. And the first demon came before Satan and all of his peers and It's funny when I said all of his peers, I was like, all of y'all, all all of his peers. And and Satan said, tell me, demon, what are you going to do to deceive all God's people? And the first demon said, I'm going to tell everybody there's no such thing as God. And Satan shook his head and he said, you're not going to have much luck with that. Everybody knows that God is real. Gave him a B minus. The next demon came up to the stage and Satan said, tell me, what is your plan? What have you learned? How are you going to deceive all of God's people? This second demon said, I'm going to tell him there's no such thing as heaven and there's no such thing as hell. Life on earth is all there is. Satan shook his head. He said, man, you're not going to have much luck with that. Everybody knows there's more than that earthly life. I'll give you a B+. Plus. Satan was so disgusted with what he had already heard when the next demon came up, Satan didn't even bother to look at him. He just said, tell me what you're going to do to deceive all God's people. And this demon was so excited. The demon started jumping up and down. He said, I'm going to tell everybody that God is real, that heaven is real, but you can make the decision some other time. You can wait and obey God tomorrow. You can put it off till you feel like doing it. Satan jumped up from his seat and he pointed and said, You, my friend, will deceive millions. And the truth is, a lot of us are being deceived in that very way today. We know exactly what God told us last Sunday, last Thursday, last night, last year, and we keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. I had a, a three best friends in high school, and I've told you all this before, but my three best friends were really, really close to each other. And, um, and after I got out of high school, I immediately got married, and all three of us went in different directions. And I became a pastor years later. And one day, I was just studying for a sermon, and I felt like so strongly God told me to go and visit one of my friends, one of those old, one of, my, one of those three friends. And so I thought, "Oh God, I got work to do. I need to study. You know, I got a sermon to preach." And da da da. And I felt like God said it again and again, and week after week, it just kept like God was saying, "Go talk to him. Go talk to him. Go talk to him." Well, I discovered that he owned a business on a road that I traveled on daily. And so every time, without even thinking, when I'd go by that business, it was like a bomb was dropping in my car. <clears throat> go talk to him now, now. I didn't want to, to be honest, because I felt insecure. And I, I, was, I felt like I'd be embarrassed or a hypocrite because I was not a pastor in high school. And I didn't want him to make fun of me. And I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And I was nervous and didn't know what to say and how does this work and all that kind of thing. And so um, one day I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And so I pulled into his, his business And I ran inside and I said, is so-and-so here? And they said, no, he's not working today. He's not here today. And so I left feeling really good about myself. I thought, God, I tried. I did what you said. It's your fault. He wasn't there. If he had been there, I would have talked to him. But he wasn't there. God didn't tell me try to go talk to him. God said to go talk to him. Three months later, I got a call from his parents. And he had died in the middle of the night of a brain aneurysm. And they asked me to preach the funeral. So I had to preach the funeral of a best friend who God told me repeatedly to go and minister to. And I made excuse after excuse after excuse. Here's what I learned. Don't ever put off making peace with God. If you're here today and you think, man, I'm going to join the church after I break this addiction. I'm going to start serving after I've learned Genesis to Revelation. I'm going to start giving... Tomorrow may never come. You got it all backwards. You come to God while you recognize you're trash. Um, Even in my best day, my best works are still like trash compared to the righteousness of Jesus. Or dirty, filthy rags is what the Bible says. You come to Jesus like you are, and you let Him do the changing in your life. You come to Him while you got addictions. You come to Him while you have these bad thoughts. You come to Him while you hate people. You come to Him while you're racist. You come to Him while you're poor, disgusted, broke. Some of y'all are so broke you can't pay attention. You come to Him anyway. And you start serving God and let Him do the changing in your life. 2 Corinthians 6 two says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Um, after that experience with my friend in, in that situation, I told, I made a vow with God. I said if I ever feel like, even remotely, you're telling me to go talk to somebody and it's a salvation issue, I will go in a minute and do what you're telling me to do. Don't put off making peace with your family. Don't do that. Again, you don't know what tomorrow holds. Um, I did a funeral. I was at a funeral last week and this young lady got up behind the microphone and she spoke and she cried and cried and cried and cried. Her grandmother had passed away. That was their funeral. And um, she had all this guilt and shame because her and her grandma had been in the middle of a feud. And she loved her grandma, and her grandma helped raise her and blessed her so many times. But their personalities, there was conflict, and things were said. So, and she knew her grandma was sick, and she had the thought, it won't bother me if she dies. She knows I love her. It's okay. And her grandma died. And man, the guilt, You should, I have not seen guilt so strong on somebody. She was trying to get through it. I pray that she releases that guilt to God and gives it to God. But she might not. I would never want any of y'all to suffer like that. Don't ever put off making peace with a family member. Um, In the Old Testament, in 2 Kings chapter 5, there's a story of Naaman. And Naaman had leprosy, and he wanted to be healed, so he went to the prophet Elisha. The Bible says in 2 Kings 5.10, Elisha's servant went out and told him, if you'll dip in the River Jordan seven times, this is a, a foreshadowing of baptism, you'll dip in the River Jordan seven times, you'll be healed. It says, Naaman was angry. He said, I thought he'd come out and pray for me and wave his hand over me. Besides, the rivers in Damascus, next scripture please, are cleaner than any river in Israel. Can't I just go dip in them? What's going on? Nope, take me back. Take me back. Take me back. To the verse before. There you go. Here's the point I want to bring up. A lot of times, like Naaman, we try to get God to bend his will to what we want to do. I see it all through society. If You you can study the life of even Christians all over the world. It's so funny. When society says something is okay, even though it goes completely against this plan, people will argue and try to bring up some one scripture out of a thousand something that they can make God bend to what it is they feel like doing and want to do. And that's what Naaman was doing. And we do that a lot. God, I know you told me that I should go and talk to my friend. I tried and they weren't there. I know, God, you told me that I should tithe, but as long as I give 2%, I'm working my... We try to get God to bend and change his word to fit what it is suits us. Uh, In the next scripture, and there we go, verse 13, his servants told him, if the prophet told you to do something difficult, you would have done it, so why not just wash and be clean? Let me give you an analogy for this. If today you're leaving church... And God opened up the clouds and he spoke to you audibly and he said, give away your car today and I will take care of you. If God said that and you knew it was God, how many of you by a show of hands would give away your car today and believe God will take care of you? Three of you. That's great. Okay, good. So it's so funny. I believe all of you would. But yet 340 times he says, bring the first 10% of your income to the local storehouse. I say, "Nah, I can't do that now. I'm not, listen, that first 10%, that's to God, I can't. Now, if you tell me to give away my house, I'll do it. If you tell me to give away my car, I'll do it, but I'm not going to tithe. If I came to you and said, God told me to tell you that next Sunday I need you to preach, I bet that even though you'd be nervous, 90% of you would have a sermon ready for next Sunday. But if I come to you and say, hey, we need help in the media booth, don't want to do that. We need help usher. Now, I don't have time for that. But if you need me to preach a sermon, I'll do that for you. so funny how we try to get God. You know the Scripture that obedience is better than sacrifice? You don't know the Scripture? You can give to the pygmies in Africa. You can, you, can go, you can go stay with lepers and take care of them. You can give away your house and your car. But a lot of times, God's just telling you to do one thing. Get rid of this friend that's a bad influence. Stay away from this place. Do whatever it takes to be free from this addiction. Stop spending money over here. That one thing God's telling you, and we put it off and put it off and put it off. Verse 14, Naaman went to the Jordan, dipped in the river, and his skin became clean. Here's what I want you to see. The healing was not in the water. The healing was in the obedience. When you get baptized today, there's nothing, that pool water and that chlorine won't do nothing for you spiritually. It's, if that was the case, then everybody that jumped in there, something great would happen. It's not about the water. It's about the uh, act. Of obedience and please don't wait until you feel it don't wait until well if I could just feel the Spirit telling me how about the 200 times it's written in the Bible how's that well I just don't feel like I should go to work today really you don't feel like you should be faithful and have integrity that goes completely I just don't feel like no don't wait what if your kids said mom and dad I'll clean my room after I feel the Spirit move I know I should do it I know you tell but you know what I just don't feel the Spirit you'd say you're gonna feel the back of my hand up against the side of your face And that spirit will tell you to do it. You want to feel something? You want to feel something? I'll tell you what to feel. Um, Let me tell you a thought that every one of us have had in our life. um, But you might not know you've had it. Okay, I'm going to give you something that you have thought. That you don't even know you've thought, but you've thought this at least once. We've all had this thought. I will be the one human being that has ever existed that will be able to disobey God in this area. And still get blessed. We've all, every one of us have thought, God, I, it's okay, I, can, I cannot do what you're telling me and still get rewarded. We've all had the thought. Not one time in the history of mankind has God ever rewarded disobedience. In fact, disobedience always brings negative. We all think, I'll be the one that won't get caught. I'll be the one that can handle this addiction. It's not going to destroy my... I'll be the one that can stay away from church... And still have good relationships and my life will still be great. I'll be the one that doesn't have to serve God and still make it through life okay. It'll never, ever happen. People think all the time, I'll be the one that, 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 that I don't have to like, really give my life to Jesus. And I'll still be able to go to heaven. Every, people always think that. Always think, think that. that. Um, there was a, a lady one time years ago. I'm almost done. But i in a, another building that I was pastoring in a smaller building. Um, this, this couple was going through a really difficult fight one day. The husband was very, very um, mild-mannered, very calm. And the wife was very emotional, very you know, loud, up and down. And one day she called me screaming and crying, we need help, our marriage is over, I'm so mad, I'm so angry. No, 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 we need counseling. And back then I was too, I did not, I was not mature enough to say, I don't counsel, I'm not good at it, don't ever call me again for this. But anyway, I didn't, so I went. And I was wise enough to bring some elders with me. So I had two group, two couples that were elders. And after an hour and a half of this lady talking and screaming and pointing and talking, and her husband was just saying, I love you and I'll do whatever it takes. He was very calm. Finally, we realized it had nothing to do with her husband. It had to do with her ex-husband. Everything that she was upset about, it was all this anger, resentment, bitterness, and it was, she was taking it out on this new relationship, and it was all from a previous relationship. And so in the middle of all this and we're praying and talking and praying, all of a sudden I felt like the Holy Spirit said so strong, tell her if she will forgive her ex-husband, her whole life will change. Her finances, her health, her peace of mind, her relationship with her husband, everything will change. And so I said, uh, I, I feel like God's saying that you know I'm gonna I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and you're gonna forgive your ex-husband and everything's gonna change. And I knew it was God because right as I was saying it, one of the ladies who was very in tune with the Holy Spirit, she immediately was saying, Yeah, yeah, God said if you will forgive right now, we'll just pray it's gonna all work out. And we were so excited. And I said, Now's the time. And I said, Okay, let's all pray. Repeat after me. I'm gonna help you forgive. And she was screaming and stuff. No, 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 no. And I thought she wanted to wipe her face first, so I gave her some tissues and she's wiping snot over it. And then I said, Okay, now repeat after me ready no no so what do you mean no i'm not gonna forgive him so why what what do you mean god doesn't want me to forgive him he hurt me too bad i can't let that stuff go i gotta wait till he pays for what he did i gotta wait till god deals with him so whoa i said pick any book in the entire bible and i will show you somewhere in that book where god wants you to forgive now she wouldn't do it she left that night, and we saw them one Sunday, and we never saw them again, ever. And what I'm trying to tell you is, man, there's sometimes in life when God speaks to you, it's like, now faith is. Now's the time to do it. Just do it. Get her done. Now is when you do it. When God... There's never a perfect time to go and visit that old friend God's putting her. heart. There's never a perfect time to honor God financially. There's never a perfect time to join the church. The time is when God says it. The time is when He speaks to you. Ecclesiastes 11.4, if you wait till the wind and weather are just right, you'll never plant, you'll never harvest. You, You don't wait till you feel it. You don't wait till you get 20 confirmations. If it's in God's Word, it's duh, do it. Don't be one of the people that always put something off until tomorrow doesn't even come. And I want to close with a point because we're in a very deep series you know, being a disciple, so I wanted to tell you something that I felt like I would not be a good pastor unless I told you, and that is this. Sex outside of marriage, which is between a man and a woman, other than that, it's a sin. If it's not a man and a woman who are married and, and there's a sexual relationship, it's a sin. And I would love to preach to you and say today, because if you ever hear pastors say, you know, that's not God's best, be very weary of, leery of whatever he says after that. Because not God's best implies, well, you can get by and still make a D. You can do it and you'll still pass. It's not how God's word works. It's not, you know, justify it maybe one day. It's if you're having sex with somebody you're not married to and it's not between a man or woman, it's a sin. Um, and, and this is a real struggle for our society. It really is. And every one of us, I'm sure, have failed in this area at some point in our life. The Bible, Jesus said, even if you think about a woman in lust, you're committing adultery. So I know it's a difficult thing, but I wanted to be able to point it out to you. If you're ever dealing with someone in this area, or even homosexuality, which I have a lot of friends that are homosexuals, and I've taught them, and I've dealt with things like that. And a lot of times I'll say this, well, I was born that way. Well, listen, I was born wanting to sleep with a lot of women, okay? It's a, it's a, it's a tendency. I struggle in this, you struggle in that. I was born wanting to eat 12 Krispy Kreme donuts in 30 seconds. If you, if you put them on the microwave, you can put them in a cup and they melt. You can get a straw, okay? Listen, I was born wanting to do what I want to do. The fact that you were born wanting to do what you want to do that goes against this, that's not shocking, I was born with the same thing. I was born wanting to do the stuff that goes against this that feels good. Temptation stonks everyone. You're not, God's not displeased with you because you're tempted. Jesus was tempted. Everybody's tempted. And we're all tempted in different areas. But if I can't have 10 wives, then you can't have one that's the same sex as you. You can't. If I can't have three wives on the side and be a polygamist, because the same book that tells me I can't have ten wives is the same book that tells me marriage is between a man and a woman, and that's when you have sex. It's the same book. Living in sin and committing sin have two different consequences. I want you to know: living in sin does not mean you're under the same roof. I've known so many couples that they're separate. They're in the same roof, but they're separate bedrooms, and they're, and they're and they're getting married or whatever the case. Living in sin means this. You have no conviction over it. You're planning on doing it, and that's the way you live, and you're okay with it. And listen, I'm the mailman. Do whatever you want to do. I don't care. I'm just telling you, if God blessed your relationship that is a sexual relationship that goes against the Bible, if God blessed that, it'll be the one time in all of humanity that God decided to say, I'm going to bless something that goes completely against what my plan for your life is. And listen, it's not going to happen. And you can try, and you can pray, and you can hope, and you believe. If you want God to be part of something in your life, it has to be obedience. If you want God in your finances, you got to obey. If you want God in your marriage or your relationship, you got to obey. If you want God at your workplace, you got to obey. That's just how it works. What kind of parent would he be if he rewarded disobedience? And the temptation for homosexuality is a real temptation. It's not somebody wanting attention kind of thing, it's, it's, it's a temptation, and it's in our society, it's in our world. And I want you, to, if you're not tempted, a homosexual in a homosexual way, <clears throat> and maybe some of you are, whether your age or testosterone levels, maybe you're not tempted heterosexually to have sex with people or whatever the case is. I want you, to, I want to give you an analogy to help you understand what it's like. Imagine that God told you you cannot eat Krispy Kreme donuts. And every time you turn on TV, somebody's licking their fingers after a donut and it's melted. And every and, and on your way to work, every day you pass by the hot sign and you look in there and all your friends are eating those donuts and you got to settle for a Walmart donut. That's what it's like to struggle in an area when the whole world says it's okay and you know in your heart it's not right. There was a, a famous... They they called him a saint. His name was Henry Nowen. They say he was a saint of the last century. Henry Nowen was a psychology professor at Harvard University. And one day he went to St. Petersburg, Russia to the Hermitage Museum. And he was walking by and he noticed the painting that Rembrandt did of the prodigal son. And he glanced at it and he could not take his eyes off. He could not move. Henry stood there for three and a half hours just staring at this painting. It changed his life. He got saved. He gave his heart to Jesus through a painting of the prodigal son. It was mesmerized by it. Immediately, he left St. Petersburg. He went to Harvard and resigned. And from that day forward until the day he died, he spent his entire waking life helping and serving the mentally retarded and mentally ill. At the end of his life, he wrote a book. In this book, very famous book, he disclosed that his whole life he was a homosexual. But he did not fulfill that desire for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm trying to tell you today. It's tough. But sometimes we have to renounce what we want for the sake of Jesus Christ and just pray for his sufficient grace in our life. It's difficult. If it was easy to do everything this plan said, everybody would do it. If it felt good every single time, we'd all do it. But in life, every one of us, I don't care what your struggle is or what your battle is, we all have the battle. We all do. In some area food, sex, money, something, we're all battling. It doesn't mean that it's okay if it feels good, it doesn't mean it's okay if all society says it's okay. We have to have a moral compass that does not come from ourselves. We have to have a moral compass from God and that's what His Word is. So I want to encourage you today. Obeying God, it may mean that you give up a relationship that you've had since high school. Obeying God may cost you some money. Obeying God may take a lot of energy with some areas. But the rewards of being obedient to Jesus Christ far outweigh any effort, energy, or cost that you could ever put in.